Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, we take a deep dive on a card and brew and brew some decks around it. I am Patrick or Padamara Online, and this week we have two guests. We have John Holio from the Eternal Journey podcast. Hello, John. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And Stormblast from the Friends of Eternal podcast. Hello, Stormblast. Hello, glad to be here. It's been a while since I've, you know, engaged with Eternal content, you know, but new fun cards coming out, new set being released soon enough. And so, you know, it's fun to dive back into card games. Yeah, it's a pretty funny timing for this episode because we had discussed doing it before they had made the official announcement of the new set and just how close we actually were to brand new cards releasing. So I'll get into a further explanation of what this podcast is all about in a minute. But yeah, so we picked the newest uh, promo, Rania, to talk about because that was kind of the new card that was around for us to brew around. But then the second we decided that, they released some previews of set 12. So um, pretty exciting stuff. And uh, for those of you, though, who are wondering what the heck's going on, this is, in fact, the Farming Eternal feed. We are usually a draft-focused podcast, but I've been kind of banding about this idea of doing a brewing podcast for a long time, mainly because, I, you know, one of the reasons I started Farming Eternal was even though I was woefully unqualified to do a podcast, especially about draft, I really like drafting, I like listening to podcasts, and I like listening to magic podcasts, and there's nothing like that for Eternal. So I figured I'd just have to create it myself, and I based it off of a bunch of magic podcasts that I listen to about draft. And um, I have the same thing. I listen to a constructed magic podcast called Faithless Brewing, which is um, a bunch of guys who every week pick a card and brew around it for Modern and Pioneer. And I've listened to hundreds of episodes of this podcast for years now, and I've never played a game of Modern or Pioneer. I just love how they think about brewing and putting cards together. And just, I just love the act of brewing. And so I've always wanted something like that to be, to exist for Eternal. And, you know, on the Friends of Eternal podcast and the Backlash podcast, every once in a while, you guys do like deep dives on decks and things like that. And um, I think uh, Batteries has been on to talk about brewing before, but there's never been like anything about, you know, a podcast about brewing. So I kind of wanted to try this as a one-off experiment, see how it goes. And then if it works out, maybe we'll we'll take it further. Uh, because even though I mostly play draft, I do love to brew. And I thought, who better than uh, John Holio, one of the one of the brewers for the team Eternal Journey and uh, Stormblast, uh, another renowned brewer in the Eternal community to have on. What's the difference between a brew and a competitive deck? What's the difference between a brew and a competitive deck? Yeah. So my, my joking answer is that, you know, a, a, the only difference between a brew and a competitive deck is one wins and the other doesn't. I would say hopefully I've, no difference. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit more rough. It's a little bit more rough than that. But like, you know, when you're brewing, you can't be afraid of losing because you're going to be playing untuned, unfinished first drafts, right? Because, you know, basically a brew is, is an unfinished version of, of a deck archetype, right? You, you know, you try something out and then if it looks promising, then you iterate it on it, right? And then eventually you reach an actual finished product at some point that is like, you know, truly successful, right? But that, in the initial stages, which basically anything 
on this cast today. And if it ever if it moves forward, will always be more of this lesser finished first draft, you know, side of things, which is, you know, the more creative aspect than having to tune the deck further. Yes. Yeah. And I agree. And th- that's one of the, the things that I wanted this podcast to be about is like talking about how to take these brews and refine them. You know, like I think there's some people just really love to play jank decks and that's, I, I mean, I do love to have fun, but that's not the kind of decks that like I can play all the time because I actually don't like to lose that much, but I like to try to win with my own ideas. And so on this faithless brewing podcast, like their tagline is a spike rogue. And so they love to brew and they love to try to win with their own ideas, but they, they love to try to win. And that's, I think a thing I want to carry into this podcast. And I think, I think we, we did that. We, before we, before we proceed further, talk about uh, Renia. Just my one of one of my sort of um, fundamental principles is like you know I'm willing to play or try out building a deck of anything. I want to just build the best version of whatever card I'm trying out possible, right? Like like take a card like Deco's Ruin, which I think is a horrible card mo- most of the time, right? Like stuck in decks that probably shouldn't be playing it. But there are decks that are like Deco Ruin decks, right? Like the ones that are playing like that three cost relic that draws cards and like you know Wrath of Kyphus or whatever, right? So, I, so if you're going to build a Decros Win deck, build the best deck possible with, with whatever, you know, brewing option you want to play, right? That's sort of my philosophy with things. Yeah, and I and, and that's what I, I was saying. You know, like the card we're going to talk about today, jeez, oh, I forget her name every time, uh, Rania. You know, she's not the greatest card in the world, but, you know, we wanted to, we picked this card and our objective is to sort of make the best deck we can with her and we went through a couple options uh you know we came up with uh, three decks and then i i found a deck by sun's fury that was also using rania in a pretty interesting way so that that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode but before we get to the actual deck lists uh john holly do you want to just talk about uh you know read out rania for everyone and then maybe talk about some aspects of her that are interesting sure so yeah, she's our, our newest promo. I think you can still get some copies with some wins of the day. <laughs> uh, I don't know for how much longer, but uh, she's a three and a shadow rogue unit, a three, two for stats. Name's Rania Never Caught, uh, has stealth. And when Rania is revealed on the enemy turn, create and draw a sabotage, which is um, a spell that costs one power and the enemy player discards a spell or attachment of your choice from their hand and then ultimate at the start of your turn reveal Rania to draw a thief's pick which is a one zero for two uh, weapon uh, with unblockable and spellcraft three play pilfer um, so she's you know a reasonably statted three drop uh, with some card advantage potential um, you know, n- nothing kind of bomby going on here, uh, but I think I think she's a she's a solid role player, and I think she enables some, you know, some strategies that may not have been as good without her before. Um, so some things that like jump out is obviously she has stealth, uh, which I mean stealth has been mostly like a miss in constructed, um, especially in thrown, but 
I think there's been, you know, some some reasonable stealth techs in expedition. I know Roshi's played some competitively, for example. Um, and there's a few stealth cards that have just kind of overperformed and go in just kind of good decks. Like, for example, uh, an, a primal unit at that three drop slot is Hidden Crusader, which sadly I think Hidden Crusader is, you know, mostly just kind of better as just a card. Um, but you know, not, not just the stats, but like I think both the card from your deck and and the the uh, unit potential. Like, she's just a, a good way to branch the early to mid game uh, in any deck playing primal. I think so. You know, she's got a little competition there, uh, but you know, there's there's some some real upside to to getting either the sabotage or the thief's pick, um, and there's there's really not a ton of ways to not get the card off of Rania. Um, you know, you'd have to have some fast interaction the turn that you play it. Um, and especially if, you know, if you're curving out, uh, a lot of opponents will have to, they won't just be saving up uh, power, you know, on turn three to answer your Rania, because I don't think anyone particularly cares that much or is expecting it right now. So I don't think that's like a huge deal. Um, yeah, she's she's pretty solid. Um, like I said, I think she's less of like a strong build around card and more of like a a role player. But I think if you build a plan around either like the extra cards or, or you know doing sabotage things or giving units unblockable, I think I think she's a she's a pretty solid card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the only time you don't get a card with Rania is if she's killed the turn you play her. So. You do have to be careful about playing her into open power if you're really relying on that card. First question I, I had for you guys about Rania is, is there a, which of these modes are you sort of hoping to get? I think you're hoping to get the unblockable Thieves pick mode more often than not because it's uh, essentially, you know, it's easier to build your deck around Thieves pick than it is to build your deck around Sabotage. And also it's generally speaking going to be more universally playable than sabotage uh it's more likely to you know get a card for instance right either it's going to do something with unblockable or playing a weapon if you're playing like a renowned deck or you know uh playing pilfer obviously gets back the card if you pay it for five right so like it's more likely to do something so i think you're trying to hope for these big but like the sabotage is just like a decent consolation prize right so kind of a weird question but do, so do you think rania would be better or worse if the two modes were switched uh worse worse i agree because like it's right. it seems yeah, was, like uh, she tends to reveal like in the majority of situations just naturally with the ultimate as opposed to being interacted with because like especially right now a lot of opponents just assume it's like a hidden crusader you mm -hmm. can't control the first mode but you can control the second mode better in a sense because you can choose to not block with rania but if your opponent you know, only has flyers and never shoots removal at it, you can never trigger the first mode if the opponent doesn't choose to trigger the first mode for you. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, it's funny. I wonder if, because I was playing it in Throne, everyone, no one expects a three-drop stealth unit. So everyone <laughs> revealed Rania immediately when I played her. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, so then, like, focusing on this uh, Thieves pick, that you've managed to get your Rania to stick, and um, it doesn't die <laughs> the turn you play it. It doesn't die on your opponent's turn. So you trigger the ultimate, um, and now you have this Thieves pick in hand. Um, Stormbliss, 
what what are some cards or what are you hoping to do with this thief spec well there's a couple main categories here that you can play there's sort of the there's sort of the unit text box type and there's the uh just general stats on the unit type and so the the obvious first thing to think about is you know when this unit attacks or when this unit hits the enemy player or stuff like infiltrate right things that where using the unblockable gives you this definitive edge to take advantage of a really powerful effect that comes at the cost of risking unit in combat. Uh, but, but then when you can just make it unblockable, you take away that risk and you just get the really powerful effect out of it. Of course, the other category you could put on would be a an imposing unit that um, a card with large attack but little health, such as Sill, right, where it's a two drop with five attack. Give it unblockable and one extra attack. That's a six one unblockable. That's a big threat as well as cards with, say, Endurance or Lifesteal, right? Endurance means that it can then, you know, attack through and block, right? Like, Sandstorm Titan becomes a 6-6 unblockable Endurance, which is obviously really crazy at winning you the game. It breaks the board stall. Uh, but on the flip side, cards that already have Evasion built in are less useful. If a card is Quick Draw, Overwhelm, Deadly, or Flying, it's going to benefit a lot left for, less from this Thieves pick than, say, the other cards that I mentioned uh, previously. Right. And then um, I think the other aspect of uh, Rania that is maybe a, one of its benefits over a card like Hidden Crusader is you draw a card into your hand with sort of both both modes of her. And so one of the things that you said when they announced the promo on Discord, Stormblast, was free cardboard. So I think that's another aspect that's worth exploring about her. Yeah, so let's first define what sort of free cardboard is. So free cardboard is a, is any time a card enters your hand that is worth less than any other card that could be drawn from your deck. For example, if you draw a Yoden Hurler, both Yoden Hurler and the Snowball are both individually worth less than, say, any other card that could have been your deck, right? Even cards like Savior of the Meek would count as a free cardboard element, right? So by putting a sort of situational lesser quality card in your hand with Rania, this is this can sort of count as the sort of free cardboard opportunity. Um, and when you, when you have free cardboard, obviously the first thing you think about is markets, right? You know, if you can have more market effects, you can take advantage of free cardboard better because your market has a real card and free cardboard is worth less than a card in your market. So, you know, just swapping it out suddenly takes this, you know, lesser quality card and gives you your actual card. Uh, other things you can do with it include like discard synergy, right? If you have an effect that relies on discarding a card, right? It's easy to throw away the card that's the less, least powerful card in your hand. Um, well, there are some interesting opportunities that Rania has where it allows you to put these sort of situational cards that might not otherwise have been into your deck. You can also just take advantage of just having this sort of blank piece of digital cardboard in your hand. Right. So, and then... Um... Yeah, so I think that's another aspect that you really want to keep in mind when you're when you're building around Rania or trying to put her in a deck is, you know, if if you're not you're not always going to be able to th throw your un your thieves pick on the perfect unit, and so giving yourself more market aspect or um, market access or plunder or things like that is another good use for her. So then. Uh, and then this is digging deep, deep, but I just wanted to do our due diligence on the card. Her her ability is an ultimate, and there are some ultimate synergies. So uh, anything, any thoughts on this, guys? 
Well, just the second part is the ultimate, right? So if it's revealed yes. and gets a sabotage, you don't actually trigger an ultimate. So it's like half of an ultimate card. <laughs> yes. A little awkward in that sense. Yeah, I mean, there are cards like Mimicry Vine, which is cute because they're both three cost elfiness, right? So they kind of play well together and they both alter. You can get two thief picks for whatever that's worth. I don't know how much <laughs> that is worth. Um, but, you know, it's also cute because, you know, Mimicry Vine's a Mandrake. Mandrake synergies are ultimates are a thing, right? But sadly, Rania herself is not a Mandrake. Masquerade is a human woman. She's actually just a human woman. Um, but, you know, I think, I think there are some fun ultimate decks that you could put Rania into. But I think those are both slightly harder to build as well as less likely of being powerful, which is why that's not what I focused on in my deck. Yeah. So, so no one wants to put a second Thieves pick on Lord Ragnar, huh? <laughs> oh, that's that's. Can you can you Lord Ragnar uh, stealth ultimates? I assume so, right? Because Lord so. Ragnar says summon. If any of your units have used their ultimate ability, they get those effects again. Yeah, but the but the the ultimate he says you know you can't always oh, already thing, right? so you can't reveal it again. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's maybe, a science maybe, one. maybe it works that way. Yeah, it's it's one of those that like I've never even thought of doing that before, but. Maybe. Yeah. Though there was, I wonder if it doesn't work because people were trying to play around with like an infinite loop with a couple stealth cards <laughs> that that didn't work because it wouldn't re-trigger because it was already revealed. I don't remember. Is this ringing a bell for anyone else? Yeah, we'd have to try that one because, you know, eternal. <laughs> you just kind of never know until you try it with this game sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper into this uh, Hidden Crusader comparison. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hidden Crusader is uh, the three primal two three. So kind of like the mirror image of Rania. And uh, they also have stealth. And then... When Hidden Crusader is revealed on your turn, draw a card. And if she's revealed on the enemy turn, play a 2-2 soldier. So kind of a similar ability. You get a card on one half. On the second half, you just get a 2-2 soldier instead of a card. I, I was looking through the top 64 of the, um, the latest Expedition Open, and there were a lot of Hidden Crusaders <laughs> in yeah, the top I, I was, 64. I I just to clarify though that a mirror image of, of Rania would be another copy of Rania because that's what mirror image does. So you hey, know, yeah. it wouldn't be hitting crusader; it'd be, it would be another Rania, right? Because that's what the card does. That that, that is true. Though that I feel like that is a flavor fail of of a mirror image. Now that you mention it, right? Yeah, doesn't doesn't change anything. Yeah, maybe they should. Um, maybe they should <laughs> make a mirror image switch the stats. But yeah, hitting crusader is a very powerful i mean it's just it's just super solid right it's like it's hard for it to go wrong because it's always giving you something back um uh, and you know as i think uh was was it was it john who mentioned that that rania does ha does have the opportunity where if you say play defile at the end of turn on rania you don't get anything so like there is that sort of opportunity cost there but hitting crusader in a sense is more consistent than rania in that capacity where like it's doing things although rania is more consistent at giving you free cardboard so yeah it was really interesting because it was like looking through the deck list like hidden crusader was just played in like a any a, most a lot of decks played primal and then a lot of those primal decks played hidden crusader even though it was like a variety of strategies like there was those felon control decks that went big 
And then there were all these moon ducks, and they also played Hidden Crusader. So it felt like she was just in there because she was a lot of value. And so I don't know if Rania is as much value or slots in in the same way and would be as ubiquitous. Yeah, any thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think you just put it in your deck hoping, you know, it's like the, the Crusader, like I, like I kind of mentioned earlier, like that really helps you you know, bridge the the early to late game against like aggressive decks. And like, it's like, it, you know, if you get the extra unit, like it probably saved you like a good amount of damage, maybe even traded and you still got a unit in play. And then if you didn't need that, that means you got a free card, which means it just replaced itself. So it's like, like it, it's one that I, I, I don't know if avoided is the right word, but like I definitely wasn't putting it in as many decks uh, earlier on in the format as I have been lately. Uh, because like, there's also just, um, you know, there's the card pool is kind of smaller in Expedition, so there's really just not a ton going on at the three-drop slot in a lot of color combinations. Um, so, I don't know, like, I, I definitely don't think it's it, it'll ever be, like, ubiquitous, like, uh, Hidden Crusader. And I think the comparison for me was a little more close, like, when I, when I mentioned the way people were playing around it, because I think, you know, the, the deck I was playing was a Felm deck. So I think a lot of the assumption for a lot of people was that it was a Crusader. And then I think you were playing a deck with fire in it as well. So that makes me wonder if a lot of your opponents may have been expecting something more like a Sanity Scorcher, where you get, you know, if it reveals on your turn, they really don't want that to happen kind of thing. So maybe that's why it was, they were prioritizing removing it so hard. If you weren't even playing Primal mm -hmm. in those decks, right? I, one of the decks I tried uh, did not have Primal, and the other did. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess this is tangential, but do you guys think of Hidden Crusader as a throne power level card? It's it's competing a lot with like merchants and things for a lot of decks. Yeah, that that that's that's the main thing is that is that threes are I I love threes being powerful. I love them competing with merchants. I think that like three cost units are like some of the most interesting uh, cards that that come out in Eternal because I think that they just provide the most interesting deck building because there's just such an opportunity cost, right? You can only have so many threes in your deck and you really want to pick the best ones and you really want some merchants. So I think they lead mm -hmm. to interesting deck building. I mean, so though, I wanted to push back a little bit on John. Uh, sure. I think that Renia actually would see a number, a, a good bit of play. I don't think it'll see as much play in Crusader, uh, provided that Renia came out with enough time before the Open to like properly evaluate her. Uh, I think that she is pretty similar to Hooting Crusader and also like, I think they just play well together. Yeah. <laughs> because you know if you're just putting the both in it's like do you really want to target it to see it being a crusader but do you really want them to get the you know you they have to suddenly make a decision right no matter what you kind of win as long as it's not you know renia target at the end of your turn you always get something uh plus a lot of these decks were all you know they're all felon right is fell moon was the big thing and i think that they both kind of play well with fell moon or thieves pick can kind of play well with um, Quinn in a sense, right? They both kind of steal from the top of the deck, right? You can steal their moons, for instance, and just really get them. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, I think that the main thing that Hidden Crusader has an advantage is this sort of anti-aggro aspect where, like, if they throw down a permafrost, you still get a 2-2. Two -two. So, like, it just sucks to be like, you know, you can't flash fry a Hidden Crusader, but you can flash fry a Rhaenia. So I think that you'd have to play them both together, more or less, but I do think that you'd see some amount of Rhaenia. Not 100 copies of it, certainly, but I think you would see a good amount of Rhaenia's. Yeah, and I think especially at the end of the format, um, you know, people were learning to appreciate the like the one of, especially in an open deck list like a tournament, you know, like the one of off, you know, off stealth units. So you could just never be sure what your opponent what opponent was playing. 
one of last carnosaur perhaps <laughs> yeah. which is what i did exactly and so yes I, I i looked and i scoured and there were not a ton of uh hidden crusader uh in, crusaders and throne i did find roshi had a stealth deck that he played early on in throne but again <laughs> that is one deck that renia doesn't just slot into and um, we had talked about sort of the the stealth being one of her aspects, but there just aren't that many shadow stealth payoffs. I, I feel like you know you have you get surprise raid, which John you have in your deck, but I'm not really sure if that's like a throne playable card. No. Um, and then you know shadow also has slug and Asendel as five cost cards, so maybe there is some kind of like stealth matters thing you could do with Renia, but seems seems tough but i i think now it's time to get into these decks i was wondering john if you wanted to go first as the ex expedition deck and sort of i think the format that renia um slots most easily into sure so yeah you know given a a, a brewing challenge of sorts uh i came up with a, a number of ideas um kind of heard you know what Patrick might be working on and like um I don't know I just decided I'd, I'd go for an expedition deck uh it's I, I generally kind of prefer brewing for expedition I mean it's it's a little tiresome like this late in the format but you know new cards so it's fine um and like I've always kind of had a Sindar the Corruptor deck on the back burner and like in order for that card to shine it really you really had to put some questionable cards along with it and I think uh Rania kind of uh, gets rid of that issue in a lot of ways. So I went with a, it's, you know, if, if anyone's played Magic, maybe you're familiar with Poison Counters. It's like an alternate win con. It's kind of what Cinder the Corruptor does, um, which if it hits the enemy player three times, it just needs to connect, uh, you know, without them having a face ages at that time and put three of these marks on them, the game just ends in, in your favor. So I thought that was a, a neat uh, deck concept. And uh, I think Rania just makes this uh, a little bit better, like, right away. So that's kind of what the, the concept of this deck is. It's just Felm, um, not splashing any other colors or anything, um, because that's the colors of Sindar. And I think that lets you, you know, lets, lets you play a lot of pretty good stealth units alongside and a lot of good value cards. And, uh, you know, the alternate win con of just kind of being wide and attacking <laughs> it's it sadly wins more games than you'd want it to when you're trying to you know have a flashy victory with Sindar, um, but it is what it is. Uh, so here's the deck list. It's uh, two Island Favors, uh, four Exploits, four Grenahens, two Nectar of Unlife, two Surprise Raid, three Vars Favor, four Vine Grafters, four Feeding Time, two Foraging Trito, four Hidden Crusader, two Iron Ursa. Four Rania Never Caught, uh, four Valise Bear Rider, four Quinn Master Tracker, four Sindar the Corruptor, and a single Subversion Slug. And then the market consists of a Blackout the Skies, a Secret Passage, and a Rock Razor Shaper, a Death Strike, and a Night Maw Sight Unseen. So, first uh, thing I want to ask is sure. how committed are you to Sindar the Corruptor? Uh, what if we I've... just cut Sindar? No. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, it's mandatory here. Got it, uh, got it. It's, it's you know, 
it's there's there's not that many alternate win cons in Eternal, and I think this is a great excuse to to I do mean, that. You get, so. Yeah, you, you get you get the unblockable weapon, and you put it on Sindar, and now the opponent can't block it, and then three turns they lose, right? Or you know, future Sindars. Yeah, and yeah. like honestly, um, a, a earlier iteration of the deck uh, was sorely missing these releases, like that. You know, just attacking oh. Sindar with Valise in play really lets you connect more mm. often. Overwhelm, yeah, I can yeah. See that. It, it makes a big difference because of the valor too. Right? It's really hard to multi-block yeah. Sindar, and so like that really helped the deck a lot. Um, Plus, and then Valise means that you can win the game. Yeah, when Sindar doesn't because Sindar won't win you the game. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, I mean, it, it actually has. Like, I've, I've, I've played some mm. games of this on ladder, and it, it actually, I, I've won a won a non-zero number no. of times with Sindar. I, I, I believe that you can. I'm just saying that, like, you know, Valise gives you a, a very good other win condition, especially. Yeah, she makes with, all like, these you know, dorks kind of really yeah, do bigger. the trick otherwise. Plus, and, like, plus unblockable Valise also pretty good because then she doesn't get threatened if you need to attack with her as well. Yes. And then, like, you know, the only other Aegis unit in here being Quinn. Like, you know, Qu Quinn's a pretty good attacker with a little extra power oh, and, yeah. and the Aegis and unblockable. Or unblockable Aegis, yeah. And, these Iron Ursas, like, you know, like, it's just a kind of an aggressive unit. So, like, every time I've played those, they've kind of been pretty good. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll slap an unblockable on them and get in there with those as well. Um, and, like, sometimes these Tritos will get in there a number of times, like, in a similar way. Because your opponent, like, doesn't hit them the first time. And then you end up Nobody with, like... expects the Spanish Inquisition. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then, you know, like, I, I think because of the Grenahens, I've made a few concessions, like... Uh, these surprise raids are, are relatively good here uh, as just having another, um, you know, Grenahan hit that can have a little additional value with this many stealth units. Um, but I did go down one and up, up a far as favor because you really do want to curve out with this deck. Um, and that's like another hit for, for uh, Grenahan. Um, and uh, like, I, I think you could, if you wanted to, you could, you know, find some room for Moon here. Probably replacing the Sindar is lame, but uh, you know it's, it's just anytime you're going wide. If you want to be it's like... boring, if you're if you're if you're an awful person, you remove Sindar. What kind of completely miserable, joyless human being would suggest cutting Sindar? Ugh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and, and, and like if you just like winning and like you're just not completely sick of Moon decks, yeah, you probably want to play some Moons in here. But like I I, I just avoided it out of principle. I think here, um, yeah, you know I tried a lot well, of other. No, well, they, well, <laughs> this is kind of what happened to me with my deck, which is also a, a Sindar deck, yeah. where I kept being like, oh, this probably would go Moon would probably really go well with here, and then I'm like, ah, no, it's it's kind of like a non-synergy with Sindar since that already has Deadly, so I guess I shouldn't put Moon in here. And then you're like, well, I guess, yeah, right. One of those shouldn't be in here. Maybe it's Moon, maybe it's Sindar, who knows. Well, in, but. In, in your deck, I think Moon's, I mean, we'll, we'll get there in a bit, but uh, spoilers if you, for, for the, I don't know if we're getting there right now or whatever, but I don't think Moon would be applicable in your deck quite as much as it is in um, in John's deck. Yes. Yeah, you know, like we were talking about with the brewing process, I think in the final product, that's true. But when I was sort of like coming up with the concept, ah, and kind I, of like I see. Cards, you know, I mean, I had some I had some I had some foraging tritos in my throne deck for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, maybe I don't know about this. Uh, and, I was uh, I was really looking forward to forging trito in like every format and and, you know, my my Gretadin aunt 
as, as I call her. She's the aunt. She protects all of the little nieces and nephews under her. Um, she was not quite as good as I expected. Yeah, you know what I – part of my problem is this is just like a I can't read thing is I always play her assuming she has deadly also. And then oh. I'm sort of yeah. sorely disappointed. I was trying to play her assuming that she'd be good with uh, Align the Tesseract, but it turns out that she's only one Grenadine by herself, which is less than two or three Grenadines, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite uh, draft cards. Yes. Very good in draft. And, and that's part of the reason I tried. I, you know, being a drafter, I tried to throw in at least one draft card into every deck I build. And uh, I think I, I did manage it in my deck, just not with Foraging Tri Toe. Um, so, do you, have any, do, you, do you have any comments about John's deck, uh, Patrick? Yeah. Um, one question I just had was, which is not really related to the core of the deck, but. With the two islands favor three Vara's favor split, what what is that? Is that speaking to anything? Yeah, it's like just getting a face Aegis in the format. I I don't mind, and uh, like I think I, I've never had any problems with the you know influence at all. Um, it's just like having the both effects. I I like the, having access to both effects, and there's not a lot of two drops competing with it in the deck, so. Like, I, I, I wish you could somehow get both from uh, Grenahen, but, you know, if you just play Blueprints, you can't get that either. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's, like, maybe a holdover from uh, when I was playing more Moonfeln decks. Like, I, I kind of like a split like this and those decks a lot because the face agers, Aegis matters even more. But, like, if on your way up the curve you can get a random face Aegis, well, then, you know, a, a lot of decks play Exploit in the format. So, you know, it just kind of, like helps mitigate that i don't i don't mind the split it's kind of, it, is, it is interesting to have a split like this but um it's well first of all you know you want to have more than 25 power that's just you know a guarantee right unless your curve stops at three you want to have more than 25 power and even then you might still want to go up the past you know that but if your curve stops at three you can have 25 but if you, if you go to four and certainly go to five you definitely want more than 25 and most people don't do that and uh but i i like i like the split uh, you have, you know, the key is that it has five primal sigils and five shadow sigils, right? In Throne, we're sort of used to having only one type of sigil. In X-Fed, we obviously have more of a split. And so uh, my general rule of thumb when you only have a, a few copies of the search effect and a few sigils is that you want to have at least N plus one sigils for N copies of the card when you have, you know, roughly five or less sigils and copies of card, right? So the fact that you have three Vars favor and you have five shadow sigils, Two islands favor five primal sigils, perfectly fine by me. Yeah, and mm -hmm. like, the, like I kind of mentioned way earlier, like you really do want to curve out to five like every game if possible with this deck. I feel like so, it, like I also kind of like count some of the plunder on exploit, you know, as like at least another option to help you curve out too. So it's I, I, I feel like it has enough power <laughs> with with that as well. But and and so Stormblast as sort of the the arbiter of whether a deck has enough uh, Grenahen hits. Uh, do you, does this deck get your stamp of approval? Ooh, let me let me let me see. It's got it's got uh, ten non Grenahen hits. I see out of fifty cards, right? Is that right? Huh? I, I never it's got actually. Two Trailer four exploit counted. and four feeding time, so it's got ten non hits. If I'm, if I'm reading correctly, I think so. And, yes. uh, yeah, it, it has 
it has it has just enough. It's got well, it's got 39 Grenahan hits, which you know 38 is kind of my my limit as far as I like because I like to have 90% success with Grenahan because the fail case with Grenahan is so bad. Like a one three life steal is not very good except in like super aggressive formats, which Expedition is not uh, mm-hmm. at the moment, anyways. So you know you really want to be able to have hit that card 90% of the time or thereabouts, just there or very close to. So. Uh, it does yeah. happen to have enough grand hits for my book, so I'll give this one a stamp of approval. Good. Yeah, and like, you know, there's some cards that I would rather be other cards if not for Grenadine, oh, yeah. right? Like, I'd probably rather play Sinister Rumors over Nectars, and like, I'd probably rather play Defiles over Surprise Raids, yeah. but... That, that is something that uh, I think I think you could put Sinister Rumors in the market pretty easily and be happy with it. Uh, I think having, you know, good one-cost cards in the market is very useful, and they're, you know, pretty flexible. Uh, so I'm, you know, maybe take, I don't know, Night Moss Sight Unseen because it costs seven. That's like a lot. Uh, I know Sadly, that it is, it is powerful, but that's my most that. grabbed card in my games. Really? Yeah. It, like I tend to be wide and then I just play Night Maw. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's how a lot of the games actually go in practice. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And like the one that like I have never grabbed is Secret Passage, which for one, you think put Sinister Rumors in for that. Yeah. Try Sinister Rumors there. It, it's, it's flexible removal. It also can, you know, draw back your Sindars when they get murdered. Uh, if they get yeah. murdered, it's X, but I guess so removal sucks there. Uh, but yeah, I think I think secret I think Sinister Rumors is kinda underrated as a market option. I agree. I and I think John, I think that your deck leads great into my deck, which I think will be the next deck we talk about. Right. It's um, like a throne version of this deck. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not as prolific as a as John is as a deck builder, as I said in the beginning, I'm woefully unqualified, so I'm a little nervous about this. But uh, I did throw out an attempt at uh, Rania Brew with uh, Sindar in there, and um, so I went with Throne. I'm, I'm a little, I know the Throne card pool a little better. I play a lot more Throne than I do Expedition, and so what I was kind of thinking of, you know, Rania gives um, Sabotage, and she gives. Uh, the pick to give them blockable and so that led me to Sindar another just like John kind of always had Sindar in the back of my mind as a cool card to try to build around and then in Throne things we get that we don't get in Expedition uh, that's really great with Sindar is Haunting Scream and then another synergy that I really loved uh, that we I you could tell me i don't actually know if you get that in expedition or not is savagery oh it's market savagery i see oh savagery on sindar because it has valor automatically kills a thing and puts a mark on them that's really Mm special that's really spicy i like that yeah yeah there's nothing quite like that in expedition sadly so that that was kind of the the core package in my hand or in my mind i started with savageries in the main deck then moved it to the market and kind of played around with a bunch of different things. So then with um, Haunting Scream, I was thinking cards that go well with Haunting Scream. Um, I don't know. I don't know if this is playable anymore, but uh, a classic. I went with Gor- uh, Gorgon Fanatic, and the other card is just Rindra, Rindra Duskblade because if you're playing Falm, you might as well play play a Rindra. Um, so here's what my deck list was. So. I, I kind of gone back and forth on the market aspect a little bit. And right now I'm trying condemns uh, for Grenahen hits. So I have three condemn, four sinister rumors, three annihilate, four black hall war leader, four exploit, 
four Grenahan, four Blight Pass Smuggler, four Gorgon Fanatic, four Haunting Scream, four Maveloft Huntress, four Rania Never Caught, four Rindra the Duskblade, and four Sindar. And that was actually the one of the things I struggled with the most is what to do with these early drops in this deck because Grenahan was felt kind of hard to support since I wanted Haunting Scream in the main deck. I kind of wanted Sinister Rumors because it's early removal, but also can bring back a Haunting Screamed unit, which is pretty good in this deck. And then you just need a certain amount of early removal or just removal in Throne to be able to fight off your opponent. So I ended up with three Annihilate and then four Exploit as a, a, a way to clear the path for Sundar. Um, so any, any thoughts on this deck? Well, I think Grenahen has too few hits, um, but this is also more of a combo deck. So it might be fine if you're, you know, because you just basically you really want to hit your combo pieces, right? So like on that aspect, it might be fine. But you have, by my calculation, 15 uh, Grenahen hits, which means that you, 15 non-Grenahen hits, which means you have about an 84% chance to draw a card with Grenahen, which, you know, depending on your values, you might think 84% is acceptable, but I think that like 15% of the time whiffing kind of sounds rough. Now, again, because this is more of a combo deck, you might be more okay with that 15% because when you hit, you really want to hit, you really want to dig deeper. Uh, if Grenahan had milled, though, it would obviously be a little bit more interesting because then you could, you know, mill your stuff to the to the void to then uh, Haunting Scream it, which would be kind of neat. You know, I like this Black Hole Leader. We'll get back to this one for my deck. Uh, I like Condemn. I think Condemn's underrated overall. Like, when I played uh, Tessa, that one Expedition ECQ, uh, Tessa for Seek Power was just so good. It, it, it's like a two-for-one on yourself, but it's it's really good to have that flexibility because when you don't need Seek Power, you really don't want to have Seek Power because you don't want to Flood. But when you need it, you know, you two for one to play the card game that you want to play, right? You know, it's better to play the game than to, you know, not play the game, right? Losing a card in hand's better than not playing the game at all. So, uh, no, I really, I really like that. I was like, I was about to say this deck has too few power, but then I noticed Condemn for, uh, for Seek Power effectively. So, you know, I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, that, and that's actually one of the, that's, part of why I said I played Condemn because you're like, well, another merchant would be um, would be uh, Grenahan hit, but the film, the film blueprints I had in the deck were not Grenahan hits, which really made the the number of Grenahan misses pretty oh, yeah. high. So I was like, yeah. oh, maybe I'll try Condemn as one of the market options, especially because and I think I, I want to take, I, I might try the, uh, uh, what, what's the unblockable relic uh, the from John's deck? Yeah, Secret Passage. Yeah, Secret Passage. And I could add that too. Isn't Savagery a better version of Secret Passage here? Especially when like, Sindar obviously kills them. Rindra's probably going to kill something, right? It's a 5-5. Five, five. That's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it, yes. Um so maybe I, maybe I don't do that. But right now my market is the Felm Blueprints for some power, a Permafrost if I need some removal, Savagery, and then because I'm also running Merchants, uh, uh, Feeding Time, and Ice Bow being kind of cute. I did win one game by hitting with Sindar and then Haunting Screaming Sindar for three, playing an Ice Bow on it, and then attacking <laughs> And getting uh, all three, you know, the for so for six mana, sort of ice bow gives you two hits if if Sindar has charge and flying. 
Yeah, I will say that the part I think that's the weakest in the market, I think feeding time looks pretty mediocre in the market. You already have permafrost in the market for removal and savagery for removal. Uh, I've often also kind of disliked three-cost cards in the market with merchants anyways because they just kind of feel clunky to pull and clunky to play out of the market, uh, generally speaking. I think what you could do is you could put Sinister Rumors in the market uh, instead of Feeding Time, which also then kind of puts another removal in the market as well, and then up Condemn to four. And then you know then you have three spaces to play around with to include more cards in the deck, right? You have three extra cards to put some things in there, maybe some other removal spells or whatever. And uh, that way you can you know play four Condemns, still get your Sinister Rumors, uh, and then your market looks a lot cleaner as well. Yes. Yeah, and another card you know that John had that I think... I had been thinking about for this deck. I hadn't. I hadn't quite figured out where to put it. Is the is some Valises, and so mm-hmm. that could also be like a market option. If I if I want Rindra to stay my four drop in deck, um, then maybe put the Valise in the market was another that, thought I had. If you do that, you can replace Blight Pass Smuggler with a. Uh, actually, you could even do that right now if you really wanted to replace Blight Pass Smuggler with just the Genev Merchant Jenny. Because uh, Aegis is, you know, good. Uh, so Jenny might be better than Blight Pass, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I was just thinking the Smuggler blocked a little bit better. And since <laughs> you're trying to resolve uh, resolve a five drop, one of my best <laughs> games with this actually was when my opponent did an early open contract against me and then my Rindars <laughs> crossed four. And I was like, oh, this is so much easier to play and combo off with now. But I've played about 10 games with this deck and I have done, I have killed an opponent about two or three times with Sindar. And then I've I've won with Rindra Beatdown uh, two or three times. So that uh, likes Stormblast comment with John's deck. You know, this is kind of maybe you just want to be a, a but the but I will say the savagery with Sindar just feels so good. Your 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 deck your deck is less of less inclined to go fell mid range because your deck kind of is pushing the combo aspects right. You have savagery and haunting scream right as sort of you know combo pieces that go with Sindar as well as you also have um, Gorgon fanatic right that works well with getting that unblockable right. Just drawing three cards is great obviously. Works with haunting scream so your deck has a lot more synergy focus to it. Then John's did also. I mean, it's throw right, so it's that's not unexpected. That's not like being like John, you failed. You didn't make it synergy. It's more like you know the throne pool's larger. You're you're able to get better synergy decks. Um, so I don't think your deck can sort of take away Sindar as well as John's could, just because it is more synergy. I guess on that point, like, do you think I should should like take a Rindra out, whose whose main synergy is just being big and beefy, and put? Just straight up trade it with Valise? Maybe. I mean, life life still is pretty good, but it's yeah, possible. No, I mean, I mean, Valise, exactly. exactly. I mean, Valise is also pretty decent with Haunting Scream still, right? You you have one unit in play, you haunt us back Valise, and suddenly you're hitting for, you know, six with Valise with Charge and Flying. Um, so that's not terrible either. So maybe yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing. Valise also helps you dig. And then like you were talking about, you can always just put Sindar in the graveyard with Valise or something. Yeah. Or Gorgon Fanatic. Never gets in on its own anyway. Very plausible. Did you ever win any games with just like unblockable war leaders just getting bigger every turn with this deck? I did not. I ha- I did give. Uh, you know, you said it didn't work great with uh, with overwhelm, but I did give Rindra unblockable a couple times, and that that was pretty good. That's just a big one. <laughs> killing five damage a, a turn uh, gets you there pretty quickly. It's just one little thing, I guess, too, is like when, whenever I'm playing a deck with War Leader, I love having like the option to pull out some unit from the from the market too. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that's also where I think uh, having sinister rumors in the market helps a lot, right? Because it can also act as your uh, unit in the market. True. In a lot of games. You, you know, my one concern with that was having played the deck, I just used the sinister rumors. Like, well, uh, it three, was right? like so nice having three, multiple turn one. copies to get out. <laughs> you know, to get cards out of my graveyard. I never played it as, you know, the the the, the mode three. I almost always used it to get a card out, but it was nice to have like multiple dark returns, especially with but, hunting screams and then or if you needed to get back into your market or things like that. But mode three is the best mode. It's so powerful. It's like a plus four, plus three. You remove three yeah. cards from their deck. Well three extra, that's like a plus three. It's a four for one. Yeah, it's, I mean, if they have any cards in hand, it kind of, you know, kind of ruins that. Or maybe they're not even playing four copies in their deck. Or, you know, maybe they never draw their cards. But either way, it's basically a four for one. Well, I, I was telling you off podcast that I did play uh, GT100, and he was playing your old FTJ volatility list. And it was, like, late at night, and I was really tired and I was just kind of jamming games. And then they were, he had Rakano influence. And then he did a Wrath of Kyphus for two to draw a card. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I was like, I've never played Mode 3 Sinister Rumors. But I'm just I'm doing it right now just so I can have <laughs> some idea of what's happening. And then I saw Volatility in there. And so I, clicked, I discarded Volatility. And it turns out uh, he already had two in hand. So it was ah. pretty feels bad. Yeah, I, I, I will say playing mode three feels really fun as long as you acknowledge that like it's always like it's just awful, but it's fun to do. It's fun to do. I will, I will, I will confess. I've definitely yeah. had that curious moment before. I'm like, what is my opponent playing? I'm just gonna take a look. Let's see what's up here. <laughs> like I've done it before. <laughs> All right, so shall we move on to your um your brew stormblast? Yeah. So I took I took a bit of a different route rather than just uh. You know the, these sort of Fel and Sindar lists. Uh, I sort of, I sort of became obsessed with uh, Bartholo Beguiling the, uh, the 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 Wump cycle, right? The cards with Wump. Uh, there are nine other cards that are not Wump, as a matter of fact, that all feature the same sort of methodology of X X X Y factions. And uh, Bart has it's a three three for two, and it has when you steal one or more cards, Bart gets plus one plus one, uh, and then you can pay five to steal a card from their hand and take a zillion damage. And so, you know, putting unblockable on Bart and stealing a card, you know, that suddenly becomes a 5-4 unblockable and steals you a card, which sounded kind of fun. So I kind of got focused on that. And then I kind of threw together this sort of Argent port list, although it's very much more of a mono shadow list. It's kind of splashing justice. Uh, and so to sort of go through the cards and then discuss them later, uh, I have four Argent port blueprints, four street urchins, four Akantha ascending, two annihilate, four Bartholos. Uh, four Black Hall War Leaders, four Defiles, four Exploits, four Bartholo Keepsakes, four Fort Smashers, four Hidden Road Smugglers, four Renia Never Caughts, uh, and then four Aramonts. And then for the market, I went with a uh, a Jetpack, a Sinister Rumors, a Pristine Light, a Heart Stopper, and a Dizo's Office. Uh, just putting some of my, my, my favorite cards in their Dizo's Office. I was just like, yeah, I love you, Dizo's Office. And uh, Heartstopper has cute surgery with Rania, where, you know, if you get Feast Pick, you're happy. But if you get Sabotage on five, you can play Heartstopper and then Sabotage their hand and take whatever their fancy card was. So, yeah, so what do you guys think of my deck before I sort of describe it further? I like it. 
I was like, how does this deck win? Was was my initial reaction. Ermot's pretty uh, good at killing people. Yeah, Ermot Ermot is very good. I mean, I mean, you know, the deck is an aggro deck, right? It's like saying, you know, I mean, it looks less, somewhat less impressive than, say, you know, Skycrag aggro, because Skycrag aggro is, is you know, a uh, deck that's been through a lot of refinement, has a lot going on. But, I mean, it's very much an aggro deck, right? You know, if you put a Feast pick on Black Hall Warleader, you know, boom, 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 that sounds pretty fancy. Bart, you know, just hit him five, you know, four times the Bart, that's five power, you know, Fort Smasher with Unblockable. Every turn, you just keep getting another card on the board, right? You just yeah. keep, like, cubing card advantage with Fort Smasher, right? So it's kind of like trying to do a number of, you know, a Contha with Thief's pick, right? You know, a lot of a lot of these synergies, right? It's all these synergies together, right? So it's, it's the Galaxy Brain, it's the Cork board, you know. A Contha with Thief's pick, and then it can, you know, attack as a 3-1 even before you get to six, uh, 6 Shadow, because Unblockable, you can make those two ones, right? So you just kind of build up a board, and then you kind of just get there with sort of my my hypothesis uh you know uh i was i was trying to go in a different direction than uh i've seen other times and i kind of wanted to put bart in a deck because i've never really done that before <laughs> i admire the uh <laughs> the attempt here for sure the gumption yeah the gumption but bart, bart also has fun surgery with defile right because defile turns bart into a four four that's kind of cute which probably yeah. a three four but you know we can't have everything y- yeah yeah i guess so th- the main ways to trigger Bart are you have Street Urgent, Defile, and the Rania's uh, Thieves pick, right? Yeah. You also, I guess, I guess, I guess it would probably be nice if there was another card in the market that could just steal a card by itself. Might be a good option to include there. Um, but you know, Bart also triggers itself, right? If you ha- it, you know has an activated ability for five that takes a card from their hand, and you know, even besides that, right? It's still just a two cost three three, which is you know. There's worse things to play in life than a two cost three three that's hard to play, but you know, uh, but yeah, it'd probably be worth it if I had a a card with Hidden Road Smuggler. I mean, even like Pilfer or something could be decent, um, just to have fun, you know, and also you know be a one cost Bart trigger. So you know, it's possible there should be something in the market for that. So I just I I also haven't played a lot of Bart. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I have a, you know I know I noticed that it's it's one of the few cards, I guess, that's worded and take five damage, right? So I guess, yes. like, sadly, that doesn't, you know, give you any life gain back when you're, when, with, like, office in play? Uh, no, it should. It should. It should? Okay. Because, like, yeah, a lot of like, a lot of it'll be, like, you know, and that unit deals five damage to you or something. Uh, what's Fenris do? It's the way it's worded, Fenris... I'm not sure. Oh, no, I guess, I guess it says Fenris deals three damage, and right. Bart says... it's So I played, I played a bit of Bart, like, when the set originally dropped. And like it turns out that losing five life was a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was I, I think I gave it life steal once, but it's been so long that I forget. So it's yeah See, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's worded like machinations, right? Which kind of acts a little different. Anyway, it's like take five damage. I don't know how many cards are actually worded that way in the game. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't, it doesn't say deal five. It says take damage. So I guess it probably doesn't work. Uh, one of the one of the things I was looking at was um. It, it sadly Rania's a, a rogue and not a gunslinger, but I was looking at Stella, the shot caller. This is when Stella attacks <laughs> while wielding weapon, each gunslinger and weapon in your deck gets plus one plus one. And you know, Stella's a three cost two two Aegis, which is kind of a shitty stat line. But yeah. if you give it plus one plus oh and unblockable, now it's a three two unblockable Aegis that gives your entire deck Warcry, which kind of sounds awesome. But Rania was the gunslinger, so I kind of failed on that plan. Okay. Yeah, the other card, I don't know if if this is a card you put in a lot of decks, but kind of jumped out to me was Jetpack. Can you talk to why, why you put it in this deck? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not it's not really a draft card, but it kind of feels like a draft card in a sense, as far as like you know, 
quirky, underplayed kind of doohickey. Um, I, I, I really like Jetpack. I like it more than most, I think, right? Maybe it should be like a secret passage like John has. But I think it's it's fun to play with. I've I've played it uh, after the Overmaster introduced me to the card. I kind of just was like, wow, this card's really fun to play with and kind of feels pretty good, actually. Uh, and, and what it did in this deck, anyways, it was trying to do is, you know, it's another way to sort of jump a unit, right? You know, obviously, when you're building around a card, you can never really build around a card in a sense because decks are 75 cards. You can never guarantee Rania being in your hand. So I wanted some way in the market to you know, pick up a unit and uh, be able to throw it at the opponent, right, with Fort Smasher or a Conth or a Black Hole War Leader, have some other way of, you know, getting these powerful when they hit the enemy player, when they attack triggers. And so uh, I just went with Jetpack because uh, because I could, because it was a black, it was a, you know, a smuggler and not a merchant. I could play just this card. And so I just put Jetpack in there because I like it. And I forgot that Secret Passage exists. <laughs> it's an easy thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen Ford Smasher and Jetpack played in decks, you know, previously just, too. Like, yeah, stopping spells can also be quite powerful, right? You just, you just really, <laughs> you really put the tempo on them. You know, if they can't play any spells, then they're just like, oops, I guess the Ford Smasher will hit you a couple times. Uh, the one thing I yeah, think I, sure about that here sounds is, uh, really sweet with Sindar. <laughs> Sindar. Uh, the one thing I'm not not super not super keen on is Bartholo's Keepsake. I just couldn't find anything that I liked more, but I I. I I think I would replace that with something else, especially if I'm like trying to play Aramont, which I think is still probably decent enough in Throne even still to this day, although, you know, it's kind of maybe on its last legs or whatever, but I think Bart's Keepsake could probably be something else that wasn't that, but I mean, it's cute to have Bart stuff together, you know, but I think that could probably go. Right. Maybe a little Yeah, that's an interesting card. I, I never know how to feel about that since you're not really going up a card, but you're getting some selection, I guess. Yeah. And you're and you're not saving an, a, anything on power either with Bartholo's keepsake, which is kind of interesting. It's it's really it's really for like the selection thing, right? It's kind of better when you have, uh, it's kind of better in a mid range deck in that sense, especially if you want to go up the curve, right? Where like you have maybe more Silexes, so then you know its power ability is a little bit better because you can you know get more Silexes out, uh, as well as when you just have powerful cards. You know, obviously you can't play it and Wump together, but right, if there was a version of this for Elysian, right? Let's say if it was like you know. Uh, three primal primal draw one of these conditions from your deck time time three cost or less played instead that would easily slot into Elysian just like that right because it's got a bunch of powerful stuff uh, right where stuff is just kind of individually powerful you know rather than like a synergy based operation right where this is kind of trying to be a little bit synergy based although you know it should hopefully do something by itself somewhat 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 uh, rough as far as these go but I wanted, I wanted to try going in a different direction with Rania basically I wanted to try right. pushing myself out there. Cool. So uh, the final deck list we I wanted to talk about is I, I Suns Fury posted uh, FJS list and they post a bunch of FJS lists and one of the cards that they really like is Tattoo Dragon and so they built this deck sort of and added Rania into it because like uh, Stormblast said, Rania is free cardboard, so it draws you a card in both of its modes, uh, which triggers Tattoo Dragon. And Tattoo Dragon's the 4-3 flyer, and then if you draw a second card in your turn, you get a free 2-2 on the board. So um, Sun's Fury de Fury's deck is 4 from Anguish, 4 Sinister Rumors, 4 Torch, 4 Annihilate, 
four Steyer's Eyes, four Display of Ambition, four Hidden Road Smuggler, three Carindin's Merchant, four Rania, four Tattoo Dragon, four Vara Vengeance Seeker, three Brel, and four Zhou. Uh, and the mark is Aramoth Design, Silver Blade Menace, Vicious Highwayman, Cruel, and Stone Scar Banner. So I, I played this uh, uh, for a few games. I kind of liked it, but kind of a, a theme that we've been talking about is I, I really struggled with power in this deck. Like this deck really needs to hit at least three so you can grab a merchant to grab power because it has no seek power effects in the main deck. So you're really relying on your merchant um, to to get you there. And it has three six drops in its main deck, which felt like a pretty big tension. And then the other thing that uh, for me uh, with this deck is, is one, I, I really hate playing Joe in a deck if I can't juggle it. And since uh, the market is a shadow-based uh, with no fire touching merchant or smuggler, it it couldn't do any fun things with Joe. And then also because it's a shadow based market, this deck had a really tough time in my experience against uh, moon decks, since you had no way to answer it. And uh, this is kind of like a, a a value deck, and they just outvalued you. So yeah, so then I, I took Sun's Fury lists and made a few changes. Uh, first off, I went to uh, a Fire Merchant, so I, I just I'm just playing the four Extend Merchants. I also um, took Brel and put that in the market. I added Jack because why not play Jack? And then I added uh, three Seek Power uh, in, into the deck and cut down on the from anguishes because I did not find the from anguishes very good when I played it. It was like a very awkward card where early on my opponent wouldn't play anything that it killed. And then as soon as they did, I would transmute it. And then it was just a six cost five, four that my opponent immediately killed that I spent six mana on. So yeah. So then I, I did that. My market's a little rough because I'm not very good at markets. But like I said, to, to deal with uh, Moon, I put a boar in there. One of the main reasons to be a fire market. And then I put the Brel in there. I put the fire sigil in the market. Just uh, if I had a jack in hand, I thought maybe it was cute to go three with merchant, grab a fire sigil, and then four jack, discard the fire sigil. And then... I lost one game to a site, so then I put Casualties of the Cause in there, and then also a D'Angelo Arson. I think the Casualty of the Cause and the D'Angelo's Arson are the two most questionable cards in the market. Um, 100%. But I, I will say, as a brewer, markets are the thing I struggle with the most. I usually end up just like, what I haven't done yet is just like look up a, a, f- a fire deck with the market and then copy their market. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I don't necessarily agree with the choices. I like the the slots uh, slotted right. I like you have you know relic removal, removal, hand attack, you know a big unit and power right. Like you know you want to have this sort of wide diversity of cards in a market. You know yours accomplishes that goal. Now maybe not you know in the perfect ways, but it does accomplish those goals. You know I like that you put seek power in this deck. I think that seek power is a very good card. 
uh, it's kind of necessary. Also, you know, Seek Power plays well with Tattoo Dragon as well, right? So, like, even if it's just a card, you know, at least it can sometimes be a 2-2. So, you know, that's kind of a, a benefit there. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I was really surprised about that Sun Fury didn't have in their original deck is if you're just if you're really looking to to maximize your tattoo dragon, seek power is one of the cheapest ways to do that. So, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so seek power also helps if you have a jack because you can get a sigil, which has been really great. This deck is just kind of fun to play, you know. It's, you know, FJS is not as powerful as it, it once was, but, you know, this is like a fun value yeah. deck. <laughs> you, I could also, that's not really playing any expensive cards main deck, so you're not really getting stuck with super clunky hands like you can, which is what I found when I had Brawl in my deck. I can see this card, this deck playing Exploit, you're pretty good effect, right? You already have Zoe. Uh, even, even you know, obviously, you don't want to do this, but, like, you know, if you top deck an exploit and you have your Rania free cardboard in hand, you know, that's also an option, too, right? Uh, either direction. So I think I think that uh, exploit could probably fit in this deck pretty well. I don't know exactly where I'd put it in. Uh, Stairs Eyes is cute, obviously, you know, free cardboard with Rania or Zoe works well with that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you, you could also try the... the, uh, the um, the the combust tactic instead you know combust and then put seek power in the market and try try that tactic and you know play play for that game potentially which could be fun uh, I just like I just like condemn I think condemn is a fun card to play <laughs> yeah no I I a hundred percent agree I mean I think condemn would be cute because like the other thing I was thinking is like again maybe four merchants isn't you know if you're if you're really going for value and drawing two cards and doing things with Zoe, you know, like four merchants feels not a, not a lot, but you also don't want all three drops. So Condemn is probably a pretty good option. Um, and yeah, and I put in open contracts to replace the From Anguish just to have er, early cheap removal, which it did. But I think you could, yeah, if I cut the From Anguish and the three open contracts, played Condemn, um, and then... You play Maybe either from anguish or open contract in the market over this casual. Player. I think that's that's all the decks we had to talk about. So I guess any um, John, we'll start with you. Any closing thoughts about Rania? Did you did you learn anything brewing around her and uh, maybe playing some games? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I've been really enjoying these promos lately. I think there was like a while, like a pretty long while where I, they kept coming out with promos, and I'm like, eh. And I think that these last few have been pretty solid. And this one uh, was, yeah, it was it was fun to try and brew around it. And uh, it was kind of overperforming for me, uh, just, you know, based on my initial evaluation. So, yeah, I've, I've, I, I like it. Stormblast, how about you? Yeah, uh, I agree. The promos have been much better recently. Uh, you know, previously we've had either, like, mostly unplayable and then complete bomb and garden of, of uh, garden of right. And, you know, like... Like, there's not really been a, a nice medium point to these promos, and I think that they're always kind of hitting that sort of uh, maybe, you know, this niche play solid playability standpoint rather than, you know, being unplayable or being too playable. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of nice. And, um, yeah, it, it's fun to try, to try to stretch your legs, right? Like, I, you know, I don't know how well I succeeded, but, um, you know, I, I really gave it a go at trying to build this Argentport aggro-ish stealing thing is kind of deck and uh, it was fun to kind of uh, go in that direction the direction that i don't normally build decks in uh cards i don't normally try look at 
Uh, so, you know, looking looking at a new angle on Rania, right? Like, you know, it has, it. unlike Hitting Crusader, it has a lot more going for it from a brew perspective because, you know, there's, it's more interesting than, than Hitting Crusader, right? Hitting Crusader always does the same thing. It's a super consistent card. And while Rania also is consistent in some aspects where, you know, you're always getting the same card rather than a random card from your deck, it just has a lot more going for it from a brewing capacity, right? There's the Thieves Pick angle, there's a Sabotage angle, there's a Stealth angle, you know, there's the free cardboard angle, right? There's a bunch of different avenues you can sort of uh, take Rini into a deck, right? You can either build a good stuff, you know, uh, you can either build, you know, a good stuff uh, FJS list, right, with Rini as just being a solid card there. You can try her out in, you know, this sort of aggro synergist type deck. Or you can even have, you know, this combo element with Cinder, right? So there's a, you know, where Hitting Crusader can't do any of them, right? It can only be the sort of the mid-range good stuff, right? It's not like going to fit into any of the other archetypes. So I think Renia is more interesting from Brew perspective than Hitting Crusader by a lot, uh, even if it is not quite as good. Yeah, and, and that's what I would say. Renia gives you definitely some some food for thought on how to best utilize it. And I think, at least in the two decks that I, I played her in, she was definitely not the best card or and it, nor was she really the crux of the deck, but she added an interesting angle, and and that's one of the nice things about her that you know with the thieves pick or the sabotage, those aren't necessarily cards that you're putting in your you know that you would ever main deck, but having these other ways to access that card really you know adds some interesting elements to the card. Um, cool. So I I think that that's our show. So this was our experimental uh my experimental first episode of farming the depths of eternal and uh i want to thank you both for coming on I, I really appreciate you taking the time and trying this out with me i i had a lot of fun talking about the ducks and this went way beyond my expectations so thank you so much it was really great thank you no problem thanks for having me and as always i saved it to the end because i wanted to get right into the content this week but as always, I want to thank all our patrons. Um, we do have a Patreon, um, which is patreon.com slash farming eternal. Um, we appreciate every single one of you. It's a, a great way to support the show, helps pay for pay for hosting the show and keeps me motivated. It's really the community that I've built. I've been really busy and tired these last few months, and it's really the community that we've built up that keeps uh, me going and coming up with new <laughs> podcast ideas. So thank you to everyone who supported us. So especially our patrons, D-Dub, uh, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Avid Nago, Meagles, Madness, Darth Harmon 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Hominid, Raven Dragon, Esrit 215 Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yistap. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And once again, have a good night. <laughs>